Um, we're coming to the end of the evening, and if my voice allows me, in the next 10 minutes, I'm going to tell you a little bit about the study uh, and the collaboration I've had with Jim Harris here. So you've heard from Professor Kennard and from Professor Humphreys how we observe the world around us and how we think we might be getting as much information as possible. But in reality, what's happening, the old probable scene is believing, is actually maybe a little bit misleading. And research, particularly in the last decade, has shown to us that visual perception is not particularly trustworthy and is not as reliable as one thinks. And a lot of things that we think are very obvious in our everyday lives might not be as obvious. So for example, I'm flashing here a beautiful picture from Venice, um, and I wonder how many of you, or if someone from the audience would like to tell me what the difference is between the first picture and the second picture. Has anybody picked up what's going on? Excellent, very good. For those of you who haven't really seen what the difference is, there's a difference here. Right. So there is a very big boat that disappears in the second one. That probably that now that I've shown it to you, you won't be able to take your eyes away from it. Right, so this idea we call change blindness, which in sort of popular art is sort of called as the can you spot the difference between two pieces of work, and in our case it's two pieces of art. And the, the sort of um, way that we define change blindness is the failure to notice any large changes, as for example the boat I've just shown you, uh, that occur when your view is not obstructed and it's just facing you. And even worse, when I'm telling you that there is a change but you can't even um, um, see the difference. So I want to tell you for the next few minutes uh, how our collaboration started with Jim Harris. So we both met and we, we found out that we had a common interest in how we observe things, but from two different angles. And um, Jim was interested from the art historian side of things, and I was interested sort of from the visual perception and from the neuroscientific point of things. So we decided to get together and um, put a project uh, for one of our undergraduates here in the university, along with Professor Humphreys and Professor Kenner, and see if we could find an undergraduate who would sort of be interested in the translational aspect of neuroscience and art to precisely study the change blindness in uh, museum artifacts. So what we wanted to see is whether we could compare two groups of participants using pairs of museum artifacts that were um, similar enough that they had subtle differences. So the idea, and I'll show you in the next couple of slides what exactly the experiment looked like, but the idea was that one group would be viewing the actual art uh, piece and the other uh, person would be viewing the same thing but on a monitor. And we wanted to see, does it make a difference when you do that? And why do people choose to come to see art at the museum rather than staying at home? So let me just show you a few of the materials we've used that Jim Harris was very kind to sort of find and put together for us, which required a lot of energy and enthusiasm from his part. Uh, so we used three pairs of Japanese blocks that you can see here that were made from very similar material but they had very large differences in the backgrounds of the color they used but also in very subtle color variation 
that at the time that we were showing this to our participants, they weren't able to see it. And I'll show you a better example in a second. We also use Chinese porcelain bowls, Iranian tiles, and because I'm Greek, obviously we wanted something Greek, so they're uh, Athenian lekinthi, and some Renaissance bronze metals, Anglo-Saxon bridges, and some English silverware. And let me just show you one of the sort of most striking Japanese wood prints here. So both of these um, pieces of art were made using the same design, and they were made using the same material. And what was interesting is that when we were flashing these uh, in both groups of our participants, they were noticing the, back, the, the, the very um, large difference in the background, the, the dark blue on the left-hand side and the light blue on the right-hand side. But if you look close enough, there are a number of differences, for example, on the eagle. Um, sorry. Um, up here on the left, for example, that uh, very few of our participants excluding the artist participants, were not able uh, to actually um, uh, uh, make notice of it. So the equipment we used was very simple. We used some modified ski goggles. And what we did, we put some uh, inserts inside, so we limited the, the, the field of view, so the people weren't able to, to, to look around them. And the only thing they could be focusing on was what they were presented with. And we also used a, a very flat um, um, uh, screen monitor and we made sure that we um, used the color projector to make sure that the colors that they were projected on the monitor depicted what the people or as close to uh, they were seeing in real life. Let me show you this was up I think in the East, East, uh, East Gallery. Yes. Um, so on the uh, top here you'll see Jonathan Adult, who is one of our very talented students who carried out actually um, this, um, this project. And he is presenting half of the experiment, and that's what I meant by looking at, at the um, pieces of art in real life. So one of the um, people in the Eastern Art Gallery was very kind enough to move um, uh, the, the cover from one of these two pieces of art so that the person who was looking at them was looking at them one after the other. And what Johnny was doing here was moving his head always from the left-hand side to the right-hand side. And that was projected to the monitor that you can see on the bottom picture here, um, where exactly again the participant is wearing a very similar pair of goggles, again with inserts so you can't you, 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 you can't see it anywhere else around you, but you have the visual field quite restricted to what you're seeing. Um, and and we, um, we wanted to see if we put a video camera on one side of these um, ski goggles, were they able to observe similar things? And if not, what was different in the two situations? And what I found was that by using um, 31 pair of participants, and I'll only show you some of the very brief results from only 12 pairs of, of artifacts. Uh, we found out that the number of changes that they described in the questionnaire were slightly surprising to us. I'm not quite sure what we expected to find when we become this. But there was no difference in the ability to detect the changes overall. So we started thinking with Jim, well, what does that mean? What does that tell us? So if you come to the museum, are you not able to detect more subtle differences as opposed to sitting in front of your computer, for example, looking at a virtual tour of, of another museum in Louvre, for example, in Paris? 
But when we looked at the results a little bit more closely, what we realized was that the color changes and the design changes were the ones that were sort of readily picked up in the two uh, groups. And what I mean by that, the color changes were more detected by the participants who were um, looking on the monitor-based scenario. So if you ask someone to look at the screen, for some reason, they're able to pick up the changes that are changing in the color in all scenarios. That was all in the wood prints, in the uh, Iranian tiles, in the silverware, even the slight sort of shadows that we had in the silverware. They were able to detect very, very subtle differences in color. And also in design, um, they were able to detect uh, things like if they were made of cement. For example, you can see these tiles here, they were a little bit cracked on the bottom. Uh, and they were able to detect that where in the real life they were not able to see that when they were face, um, uh, face to face, which was rather interesting to us. And we tried to ask them as many questions as we could to see if that was a real phenomenon or were we actually masking the results, were we actually making these up by sort of biasing them towards a particular change that they were seeing in the monitor. And when we looked at this, um, sort of and put in our stats, what this graph is showing here, that indeed color design and sort of the small abnormalities that the texture of these artifacts had made a, a, a pronounced sort of difference between what people that were looking at the uh, pieces of art were making of and those that were looking at the, um, at the arts, uh, at the artifacts on, on the monitor. And that was particularly interesting because there's a lot of research that um, has been um, um, looking into visual perception, but in particular whether monitor-based perception is more appearance-oriented and real-world perception is more existence-oriented. We're currently continuing this um, small pilot project with Jim here at the Ashmolean Museum and we're hoping that we'll be able to not only um, continue the experiment I've just shown you, but also what Glyn Humphreys and Chris Kenrich showed you earlier on with the use of an oculomotor system, so focusing exactly and pinning down where exactly each of us moves their eyes to, to look, where do we shift our gaze, and what attracts us more, what makes, what makes life interesting to us, and in particular what makes certain pieces of art more interesting. Before I finish off, I want to thank the people at the Eastern Art Gallery uh, who have made the project possible and they have accommodated all the 372 trials we asked every single person to go through. The participants that very happily came and gave us a couple of their um, hours. Jonathan Atwood, our joint um, uh, student, who was a very talented student and has carried out the work I've just shown you. And last but not least, uh, let me take a moment to thank Jim Harris who without tonight, um, this evening, would have not been possible. He's been uh, not only enthusiastic, but very kind in hosting us here, but also hoisting all the projects that we've been carrying out uh, in Deshmolian. Thank you very much for your attention.